You guys want to open up your Bibles to Philippians chapter 3. Philippians chapter 3. Um, this section is all about joy in believing. And we talked last time that our righteousness is not based on our own good works, uh, but rather in our, really in, in faith, right? In, in believing in who Christ is, what he's done for you and I on the cross, and in his finished work there. So it's not by our own good works that we can perform. Uh, and Paul drove that point pretty good in verse 1 through 11, if you guys were here on Wednesday. And, and Paul would say, if anybody could be righteous based on, you know, their good works, Paul would say, hey, it's, it's me. I, I would be that guy. In verse 5, and six, he says, hey, I was circumcised the eighth day of the stock of Israel, the tribe of Benjamin, and a Hebrew of Hebrews, as uh, touching the law of Pharisee, concerning zeal, persecuting the church, to de- touching the righteousness, uh, which is in the law, blameless. And, and yet Paul says in the end that he counts it all as rubbish, as trash, everything that he was, if he could be anything righteous, which he recognizes he's not, um, it, it means nothing to him because uh, none of it could make him righteous. And, and But it was through faith in Jesus Christ and his shed blood for you and I that we are made righteous, that if you believe in him, you confessed your sins, you repented of your sins, you received all of who he is. You, when I say believe, you believed. That's an action word. Uh, you trusted in what his word says and you, you're following it. And, and that's what makes us righteous. So as we come to our study today, Paul is uh, really going to deal with the practical application of that same point. Uh, let's look at verse 12. Um, actually, I probably shouldn't read the whole thing. We already did. But look at verse 12. It says, Not that I have already attained or am already perfected, but I press on that I may lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus has also laid hold of me. And so the point here is pretty simple. Since you and I are made righteous by faith alone in Christ alone, uh, what should we do? How should we act what should be our conduct, you know, and, and, and the things that we do? So Paul is going to give us two things that we want to learn about today, two application points, if you will. Uh, number one, as we we're to walk properly, and that's in verses 12 all the way to verse 19. And secondly, we're to wait patiently, and that's in verses 20 and 21. Well, let's look at this first section. We're, we're to walk properly. Look at verse 12 again. Uh, not that I have already attained, Paul says, but I'm already, uh, or I'm already perfected, but I press on that I may lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus has laid hold of me. So, uh, what does it mean to walk properly? If we understand we're to walk by faith, we're to walk, uh, properly as Christians in this life, Paul's gonna give us five separate aspects of what that means uh, to walk properly. Number one, the first thing involves humility. Humility. Look at, look at, uh, in verse 12. Um, also look at verse 13 in the beginning. It says, brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended, um, at all. So that's pretty powerful coming from a guy who wrote uh, what is it? One third of the New Testament, basically. Uh, here's a guy who is called specifically by name by God Himself on the road to Damascus, there in Acts chapter nine, where where uh, man here. He says he has not attained. He's not perfected. He has not fully apprehended. 
And, and family, this is humility right here. He had a great humility in understanding that his righteousness uh, was not based on his good works, but rather his righteousness is based on uh, it, by faith, in, by grace alone, right? In, in the finished work of Christ Jesus. When Jesus said, you know, it is finished, that's in the Greek, tetalistai, right? It's done. It's been finished. It's, it's, it's already been done. So uh, none of us, by the way, have apprehended. Um, that, you, guys, you guys with me on that? None of us is just like Paul, and he says, I haven't apprehended. Hey, that, that's important for us, you know, on this side of glory in the, in the sense of, you know, understanding that our righteousness is in Christ, and it's not based on our good works, since none of us are perfect. You guys with Amen? Amen, church? Yeah, I mean, you guys look pretty good today, you know, but I don't think you guys are that perfect. You know, like, no, 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 I'm not going to say amen. Um, we're not, we're, we're, we, we haven't arrived. We're not sinless, right? First uh, John chapter 1, verse 8, it says, if we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. So if you're like, no, I'm not a sinner, I'm pretty good. Uh, I find it hilarious when I go witnessing, and, and I talk to people, and, and they're like, no, I'm, I'm a good person. How are you going to get to heaven? Oh, because I'm a good person. Oh, you are. <laughs> right. well, let's start with the Ten Commandments, shall we? Uh, I think you broke them all, you know, and and, uh, and they don't really realize that but the, and I'm like okay so you're telling me you're a liar you're a thief you're a murderer you're a adulterer at heart and uh you know you could go down the whole list and they're like oh so how do you look in the eyes of God alone well I guess not so good right in your eyes you look good that's why you said oh I'm pretty good I'm great I'm not a sin I'm not a sinner Right, uh, but you are. Romans three twenty three says, "What for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God." So we've all fallen, and and we're not in a good position. So why why is humility so important? I'm glad you guys asked. Good job. Humility is one way we received the grace of God. Uh, in First Peter five five, in James chapter four verse six, it says, "God resists the proud, but He gives grace to the." To the humble. And we all understand God's grace for eternal life. We all know Ephesians 2, 8 and 9. It says, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. Now, Romans three twenty four. it says, Being justified freely by his grace through the redemption that is in who? It's in Christ Jesus. Is it in yourself? Let me just close my eyes and just think and consider myself and, um, no. No, it doesn't say to be weird. It says your redemption is in Christ Jesus, right? It's not in your own self-righteousness. It's in Christ. So, but if it, uh, it doesn't stop there. God's grace is not only for our eternal life, but it's also for our temporal life, okay? Um, his grace is for every moment of every day of our life. Acts chapter 20, verse 32, uh, it says we're built up by his grace, um, in fact, I'll do this. There you go. Um, and Romans chapter 1, verse 5, it says, We are obedient by his grace. You cannot be obedient apart from God's grace. It's God's grace that allows you to be obedient to the commands that God's given because God is perfect and his requirement for you is perfection. And you, in and of yourself, in your flesh, you're not perfect, right? Amen? 
Amen. All right, there you are. Uh, Romans chapter 5, verse 2 says that we stand by grace. Um, and 2 Corinthians 4.15 says we give thanks by grace. We, we can't even thank the Lord apart from his grace. Truly, if you're not a believer, you're saying, oh, thank you, Lord. But you don't, there's, there's no true thankfulness there apart from God's grace. Uh, 2 Peter chapter 2, verse 1, we are strong by God's grace. And in Titus chapter 2, verses 11 and 12, we live godly by his grace. You cannot live godly apart from God's grace. And in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 28, it says we serve, we can serve God by his grace. We can't serve God apart from his grace. Amen? I think you guys get the picture here. His grace is pretty important, isn't it? Um, look, look at our life. Our life is lived by, it's, well, by grace alone, by faith alone, in Christ alone, right? And it's not just the there and the then, but it's for the here and the now. And, and so one aspect of walking properly involves humility. Second thing that is involved in walking properly, uh, it involves persistence. Persistence. Look at the uh, middle of verse 12. It says, or am I already perfected, but I press on that I may lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus has also laid hold of me. Uh, and toward the end of verse 13, Paul says, I am reaching forward. And in the beginning of verse 14, he says, what? I press toward the goal. And, and notice three times Paul's indicating that he, he is persistent as he's pressing on, as he's reaching forward, as he is pressing toward. And so, um, obviously, he's, he's not talking about his ability to become righteous by any means, right? Uh, in his own works. So that, what, what is he pressing forward in or toward? What is he persistent toward? Well, it's toward who? Christ Jesus. That's who he's pressing forward in. Look at in verse 12. Um, you know what? Let's just read this again. Verse 12. Not that I have already attained or am already perfected, but I press on that I may lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus has also laid hold of me. Brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended, but one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead. I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call in God, in Christ Jesus. Now, there's three things that Paul is pressing toward as it pertains to Jesus Christ. Number one, it's knowing Jesus. According to verse 12, it's knowing Jesus. Twice the words lay hold is mentioned there in verse 12. And, and it means to know or to have a knowledge of or to comprehend. And so in verse 12, Paul uses those words uh, in light of uh, the Damascus road, right? When he was there in his conversion in, in uh, Acts chapter 9, remember when Paul then Saul, right? He left Jerusalem. He's heading towards Damascus to arrest Christians. Just to show you that God has a sense of humor, he arrested Paul, a, 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 a Christian, basically. He said, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Right? And Saul said, who are you, Lord? <laughs> and he said, I, I am Jesus, who you are persecuting. It is hard for you to kick against the goads. And at that time, Paul, his eyes were blinded. And and, and that's where we would say Paul, uh, or Saul, I should say, comprehended him. 
right? This wording right here. Jesus laid hold of Paul. And, and Paul would say, I want the same kind of comprehension there with Jesus. I want to lay hold of him just as much as he has laid hold of me. I want to press forward. I want to press toward. I want to press in. I want everything that is of Christ. I want to fix my eyes on Jesus, right? And I'm persistent in laying hold of him. And now when, when we talk about knowing Jesus, we're not talking about rising to some type of intellectual descent, right? Where some people get that mindset. It's, it's about knowing Jesus in our hearts. And it's about becoming more like him, falling more in love with Jesus. Because, um, uh, well, I, guess, I think you guys get the point there. Because it's all about Jesus, right? And hopefully, uh, we like Paul, we're walking properly. And, uh, and I mention that because uh, if, if, if it's about knowledge and coming to some knowledge, you know, thing, then anybody can come to you with their knowledge and they can sway you with that, right? We, we can change people's minds in a sense, right? We can influence people. We can show them scriptures and shake them up and they can get all crazy. But, but it's only God who can change the heart. Right? What, what's, what's the, how do we fix our, our economy and our government and, and, and all the lawlessness that's abounding here in our country and our, in, in Wisconsin and Appleton? How do we fix all this, you know, the gang related stuff and this and that? And no, it's not, you know, community service and this and that. It's the gospel of Jesus Christ that will change a nation. It'll change the world. But we gotta go out there and tell them. Right, we we're, we're more we're zealous at times to uh, to to just you know give people money or to go fix something or go do something in the flesh. But how much more so are you willing to pray and then seek you know those those people out and give them the gospel? Tell them how much Jesus loves them. You guys would be shocked. Uh, well, some of you might be shocked uh, on how fast people come to the Lord when you just tell them the gospel, simple gospel. And it's not you, it's, it's Christ in you. And, and it was God working in and through them before you even walked up to them. It was their family members or who, their friends who have been praying for them, uh, for, for a long time, possibly. And then God just chose to use you to walk up and it wasn't your words, it was the gospel. And it's the gospel that has power to change a person's life. It's pretty amazing. So in that, we are persistent in knowing Jesus. Amen. Uh, number two, that the second thing involved is the righteousness of Jesus. The righteousness of Jesus. Look at verse 13. It says, Brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended, but one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead. Not just the fact that he wants to know Jesus, but he's persistent in uh, toward the righteousness of Jesus. So now that we're, we're uh, are, are, are the, the, Paul basically is saying, now, now what are the, the things that are the, behind Paul, right? Back, back in verse 4 and verse 6, it's all about his good works. If Paul can be righteous in and of himself, then, then he's got it, right? These Judaizers that are saying, hey, this is how you get to heaven. You want to be a Christian? You got to go back to the law. It's not about the gospel of grace. It's about the law, coming under the law, right? And, 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 uh, the law was only there as a tutor, as a, a teacher in a sense, to show you as a student, right? That you need Jesus Christ. You need a savior. And that was the purpose of the law, to point you to Jesus Christ. So all of his, uh, religious, uh, efforts 
efforts to become righteous, he is forgetting about those things because he knows they'll, they'll never make him righteous, right? All, everything that he attained to, they were nothing. They were trash, Paul says. And so he's reaching forward to those things that are ahead, speaking of Jesus Christ and his ability uh, to make him righteous. So what an encouragement that should be for all of us today. You know, forgetting those things which are behind us, realizing that there's nothing that we can do in and of ourselves to perform anything that can make us righteous in and of ourselves, uh, but reaching forward to the, to the righteousness of Jesus Christ. In fact, the Bible says in Romans chapter 5, verse 19, Paul says, for as by one man's disobedience, many were made sinners, so also by one man's obedience, many will be made righteous. Paul also says in 2 Corinthians 5.21, For he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. So you and I should be pressing toward reaching out persistently um, for the righteousness that comes by Christ Jesus. That that can be looked at, by the way, in two different ways. Uh, number one, it can be looked at from an eternal standpoint. Uh, because the moment that we come to faith in Christ Jesus, what did we do? We confessed our sins onto the Lord, right? Uh, if we confess our sins, he's faithful, he's just, First John 1, 9, uh, to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all what? All of your past efforts, everything that you tried was it good enough? No. All of your right unrighteousness, he's cleansed, he's washed, he's, he's thrown it away. It's not, it wasn't good enough. So we now have no righteousness of our own, right? But as a believer, we have no unrighteousness. We are now made righteous because of the blood of Jesus Christ, which means we have the righteousness of Christ accredited to our account. And, and, uh, which happens at the moment of salvation, by the way. So second, it can be looked at in light of pressing forward, right, reaching toward uh, that righteousness of Christ for every moment of every day of our lives. So we would say a daily standpoint, right? This temporal, this life that we're in right now, because we all mess up, we all fall, fall short of God's glory, and none of us are perfect, yeah, good job, guys. So, yay, you're catching on. So we need to, we need to con, con, consistently, we need to confess our sins to the Lord, right? We fall short and, and we fall flat on our face and we feel guilty about it. And the thing is, don't, don't, uh, yeah, that's good to, to fall apart, you know, and, and before the cross and before the throne and to confess your sins and to repent of your sins. But afterward, Look forward, Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2, looking forward to Jesus Christ, right? The author, the finisher of our faith, for the joy who was set before him. He endured the cross, and we got to think, consider the same thing. When you fall, don't get wrapped up but by in the temptation of your flesh to keep looking at yourself and then punishing yourself or disciplining yourself in some way because you all oh, you fell as if you were perfect, right? Don't let Satan creep in there and say, hey, how dare you do this? Look at this. You broke God's heart. You did this to God. And you're like, oh, right? You already confessed your sins. 
Leave it at the cross and, and look forward. Keep pressing forward. Some people can, I'm talking about, in my life, I would probably go a couple minutes, maybe a couple hours, where I'm like, oh, silly Josh, what is wrong with you, man? Oh. But some people, they could go 10 years, 20 years, and, and just beating themselves up because they did one thing or whatever it was in the past. Hey, guys, look forward. It's a, it's a lie. It's a deception of the enemy who wants to keep you unstable. He wants to keep you uh, not pushing forward in Christ Jesus. And so we need to look forward to what Christ has done. We need to consistently, uh, repeatedly uh, follow him and, and realize his grace is sufficient. Now, now, as it pertains to our eternal life, our salvation, right? Um, this, this, this also is applicable right now in our here and now, right? In our personal relationship with Jesus. According to Isaiah 59, verse 1 and 2, the Bible says, Behold, the Lord's hand is not shortened, that it cannot save, nor his ear heavy, that it cannot hear. But your iniquities have separated you from your God, and your sins have hidden his face from you, so that he will not hear. That's scary. So your sin breaks that fellowship with God. And so it is important that you repent, that you do confess your sins to the Lord. If you sin and you think you can go on worshiping the Lord and go on about your daily Christian life, uh, you're wrong. God's not even listening to you, which means he's not even hearing you. That's a scary thing. Imagine that, trying to play church without God. I mean, you're just religious, and, and that's you're no different than anybody in the world. And it, what a scary thought that is. So as Paul is pressing in, it no doubt carries the idea from a daily standpoint, right? We're daily uh, coming back to the Lord. We're daily, you know, confessing our sin when, whenever you, you fall short of his glory. And his grace is able to sustain you. He's able to keep you, according to Jude 25, uh, 24. And he's able to uh, do above and beyond, you know, as in and through your life. But it's through his spirit that he does that as you humble yourself. So the third thing that Paul is persistent toward is being with Jesus. It's being with Jesus. Read for, verse 14 again. And I love this verse. I press toward the goal uh, for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. The upward call of God. When, when God calls us upward. That's basically it, right? The Bible says in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, uh, speaking of the rapture of the church, it says, For the Lord himself will... Uh, descend from heaven with the shout, with the voice of an archangel, and with the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and thus we shall always be with the Lord. Amen? Man, same thing in First Corinthians chapter fifteen, verses fifty-one to fifty-three. It, uh, well, fifty-eight, I should say. But it says uh, in First Corinthians fifteen fifty-one, it says, "Behold, I tell you a mystery: we shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed in a moment." in the twinkling of an eye at the last trumpet. So it's not going to take an hour of just slow motion going to heaven, you know, and this this is kind of like the movies, you know, and there's babies with, you know, there's, there's weird stuff, you know, these uh, cartoons kind of depict. It's going to be, boom, we're there. Boom, we're just, we're, in, we're seeing Christ face to face, and and there it is, you know. And I think at that moment, I'm going to fall on my face, right? Boosh. Lord, I, like, I understand God's love for me, but I, I don't. <laughs> Lord, really? You want 
wow, how this is God's grace that we're even here right now, you know? And, and I think that's what true worship is, is just being in awe of God. It's, it's being, you know, obviously in that fear of God, but um, man, it's going to be so great. Anyways, the, the rapture of the church could happen, by the way, at any moment in time. It could happen right now. Ah, oh, okay. Well... Some, some, uh, some believers, uh, say that it could happen, this, there's an event that could happen prior to the rapture. And, and it's Romans chapter 11, verse 25. It says, For I do not desire, brethren, that you should be ignorant of this mystery, lest you should be wise in your own opinion, that blindness in part has happened to Israel until the fullness of the Gentiles has come in. The fullness of the Gentiles is presumably, uh, basically the last person who should be saved gets saved and, and, uh, comes to the Lord and then boom! We're all out of here. So imagine that. You're giving the gospel to somebody. And then they, you know, you're talking about Jesus and all. They just believe in their heart. And they, they in their hearts, they just, Lord, forgive me. And then, poof, he's standing right next to you. And you're like, dude, come on, the whole time. <laughs> uh, we we're waiting for you. I don't know how you're going to be treated, by the way, in heaven. But uh, it's amazing. It's going to be so fun. But look, the third thing that is involved in walking properly is maturity. Look in verse 18, uh, actually verse 15, sorry. It says, therefore, let us as many as are mature have this mind. And if in anything you think otherwise, God will reveal even this to you. Maturity is having the same mind of Christ, right? And being mature is, in, is understanding that all of our good works is rubbish. It's trash. It's, it's, it's meaningless. And, and the works of the flesh, that is. We, we can, we, we, uh, in no way we can get to heaven based on our good works, based on what we do, right? Good works are good, but they're a byproduct of God's grace in your life. And and, and because he's working in and through your life, because he's changed your life, you're naturally going to be producing those good works. I should say supernaturally, based on what Christ is doing in your life and how he's transforming your mind, Romans chapter 12, 1 and 2. And then you're in the word of God, and God is just naturally doing those works. So it's not about you performing works to get to heaven. It's about his work that allowed you to get to heaven, right? So uh, it's understanding that righteousness can only come by Jesus Christ. And however, uh, Im- immaturity uh, places the focus on us, right? Thinking somehow our good works uh, makes us righteous before God. Maturity is focusing on Jesus and his finished work upon the cross for you and I, uh, which makes us righteous. And this becomes a huge deal, by the way. Look at the end of verse 15. It says, and if anything you think otherwise, God will reveal even this to you. If you just disagree with this, then even God will, he'll reveal this to you. And if you want others to come to that same maturity, you need to realize it's the work of the Spirit. It has to be God who will reveal it to them. And realize it's God who wants to use you, right, in this area of the gospel. Um, but be careful to realize, although you may change people's minds, uh, like we talked about earlier, it's only God who can change the heart, right? It's only God who can change you. You guys, some of you in here are very, very stubborn and very, very prideful, and you don't know who the Lord is. And it's not going to be me. It's not going to be anybody in this room who's going to change you. If anybody's going to change you, it's going to be God himself who's going to change you. Because you're you're like, 
<laughs> You've been living that life all your life. But Jesus said, you know, he's the way. He's the truth. He is, uh, there's, there's no other way. He's the only way. The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But Jesus has come to give you life. And that more abundantly. You can live an abundant life. That's And your joy will be found in Christ. And no longer are you going to be looking at man for that joy. Because every time you have in the past, you're always going to be like, oh, you're going to be stressed out and crying and bitter and, right, stressful all the time. So looking to Christ now, he changes everything. And it's by his salvation, right? When he comes in, he changes your life. And and this is why prayer is so, so important for you and I as believers, because it's a supernatural work that God has chosen to use uh, through you and me for these people, right? For these people who are in the room today. It's through prayer uh, that you and I come alongside them. That's our work. And really, it's God's work because it's a supernatural work, right? It's a spiritual work. So the fourth thing that is involved in walking properly is unity. Look at verse 16. It says, Nevertheless, to the degree that we have already attained, let us walk by the same rule and let us be of the same mind. And uh, twice he uses this word same in verse 16. It speaks of unity. And so walking properly involves walking in unity, having the same rule or the same judgment or the same mind, the same thought process, if you will. Uh, which, by the way, is th- this is a very common thing in Paul's writing. In Galatians 6.16, he says, And as many as walk according to this rule or judgment. In Romans chapter 12, verse 16, he says, Be of the same mind. Uh, very, very interesting. There's a whole bunch of verses, by the way. I only picked a handful here. And in Philippians 1.27, he says, uh, at the end, With one mind striving together. In Philippians 2.2, 2, in the beginning, he says, being like-minded in philippians 4 2 oh where'd it go there it is sorry uh it says uh well at the in the middle be of the same mind in the lord in first corinthians 1 10 now i plead with you brethren by the name of our lord jesus christ that you all speak the same thing and that there be no divisions among you but that you be perfectly joined together in the same mind and in the same judgments so this theme of unity becomes very very significant in psalm 133 verse 1 the psalmist says, Behold how good and how pleasant it is for our for brethren to dwell together in unity. And, and the problem is because we are mature in understanding that we are made righteous by faith alone in Christ alone, it's easy for us to become a little a little prideful in, in a sense and arrogant in that um we begin to look down on others who are immature, right? And, and, and our, or those who think that they can become righteous by their own good works. And we look at them and we're like, oh, one day, and, until you get to my status, right? And, and, uh, man, I'm praying that you become like, you know, me. And, and, uh, and we begin to look down on them and we, we end up dividing with them. And we need to learn to come alongside those who are immature, right? Just like a paramedic. They're coming alongside you to aid you. And that should be our mindset, right? Don't, don't come on people like the law, like a police, right? And I love you guys, by the way, police. I drive a, a white Ford F-150. Thank you. Don't pull me over. Um, but 
but but we need to be like the paramedics in that sense, right? In your relationship with your spouse, with your children, with your neighbors, with everybody around you, we need to be those who come alongside others, especially the believers who are in the Lord. You see them in an area of weakness, don't look at them with that. And I, I do the same thing though, right? I'll look at my family members and I'm like, oh, you guys should know this. And I, I think that they should be at the same level as I am. And so I'm, I'm, I'm just, you know, like, Oh, and that's what makes, I gotta die to myself and be like, Josh, who are you? Right? And, 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 uh, but who is he? And greater is he who is in you than he who is in the world. And then now you look at things differently and, and now you're able to come alongside them and aid them and be like, hey, let me show you some scripture here. This is interesting. It's only by Christ that we can do anything. So, wow. So it's not about our own righteousness anymore, is it? And they're like, no, wow. No, it's not. So you turned your, perspective away from yourself and now god was able to do that work in and through that person and now maturity was found in that person so uh last we come across uh or i'm sorry we because we don't want to come across as you know more spiritual right more look at me um so number five it involves an example an example look at verse 17 Brethren, join in following my example, and note those who so walk as you have us for a pattern. Now Paul gives us two examples by way of contrast. Uh, the first example is, well, a good example. There in verse 17, back in 1 Corinthians 11, 1, Paul says what? Imitate me as I imitate, as I also imitate Christ. And Paul, uh, he set that example for all of us. And so the reason uh, this point becomes so significant for all of us by, by way of application is because whether we know it or not, like it or understand it, uh, agree with it or not, um, all of us are setting example uh, to someone, right? Or at some time, um, you know, fathers, mothers, right? Um, bosses, uh, your kids, right? They're, they're following in your footsteps. They're watching you and your attitude. How do you deal with things? What do you say when you drop a hammer on your foot? Right? Uh, what, that's what they're gonna be saying. They're learning everything that you say, which is a good thing, right? Some of you are like, oh, I know, it's not a good thing, but it really is a good thing if you're following the Lord and, and your, 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 your heart is for the Lord, because you start seeing their hearts for the Lord, and and they're quoting scripture, and they're, you know, and you're like, oh, Lord, thank you so much. Um, but we're setting an example. The question is, what kind of an example are we setting? You're either a good example, or you're a bad example, right? Hopefully, as we grow in the Lord, and 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 we can say to those around us, you know, follow me as I follow Christ, and and because of what Christ has done in you, and and uh, so. Secondly, a bad example, right? And let's look at the contrast here. Look at verse 18 and 19. It says in verse 18, For many walk of whom I have told you often and now tell you, even weeping, that they are the enemies of the cross. Paul is he's, he's crying at this point as he's speaking this. And, and uh, look at verse 19. It says, Whose end is destruction, whose God is their belly, and whose glory is in their shame, who set their mind on earthly things. And so back in verse 2, we've we, we seen a, a little bit of, about the enemies of the cross who were a bad example. Paul said they were dogs, they were evil workers, they were the... Um, 
the mutilation. And, and, and here Paul gives us four more things about the enemies of the cross in verse 19. And, and their end, number one, is destruction. Their end is destruction. Notice in verse 19, as they stand before God as judge and jury, they will not be able to stand before him in their own righteousness. In Isaiah 64, verse 6, it says, uh, well, all of our righteousness is as filthy rags to the Lord. It's disgusting to the Lord. So that goes for you, by the way. Right? You're like, oh, your, your righteousness is filthy to God, but look at me, right? Um, no, that goes for you as well. Uh, so there's no way that we can stand before God in our own righteousness. If we try, the end is destruction, according to verse 19. And so no, notice, secondly, their God is their belly. Their God is their belly. The belly speaks of this innermost being uh, of who we are, the seed of our emotion, we would say. And and you know when you're, you're upset, you're distressed, or you're just, you know, sick to your stomach, you would say. Um, or, or you say, I got a gut feeling, you know. Um, that is this word that is used here, speaking of the innermost depth of our, uh, our emotions, of our being. And, and so their God is, basically what it's saying is their God is themselves. That's, that's what it's saying right there. They worship uh, their own satisfaction, their own desires, their own lust, their own ways. They worship themselves. Romans 16 verse 18 says, uh, for those who are such do not serve our Lord Jesus Christ, but their own belly, and by smooth words and flattering speech deceive the hearts of the simple. Thirdly, their glory is in their shame. Their glory is in their shame. Look at the end of verse 19 right there. In other words, they magnify or glorify sin. Uh, in fact, they're proud of their sin. And, and, and they will willingly tell you, uh, with no, you know, uh, no hesitation, no remorse in that sense, and, and with no conviction at all. Yeah, I did this, and they they love their sin, and 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 it's just it's it's there's no shame. And you guys, amen, right? Have you guys talked to just? I look at them like, why? What is wrong with you? I lo- I love uh, um, in the workplace that you know because I'm working with the different guys, and they're like cussing all the time. Um, not right now. I work with Dwight right now, right? but. But before and all my other jobs, um, but they they would be like they'd be cursing all the time. And I look at them. And I'm like, dude, what? Can I ask you a question? And I'm like, yeah, what's up? What's going on? Why do you cuss? Like, why? And they're like, I don't know. <laughs> I never I was never asked that before. Seriously, why do you do it? It's a demonic language. You know, you look at somebody who's demonically possessed. What are they saying when they're, when they're speaking their words? They're cursing like crazy. And you're associating yourself in the same language. You are associating yourself with the father of lies, of deception, of Satan. And, and why would you do that? And they're like, oh, good point. I don't know. You need Jesus, man. Let's pray. <laughs> but, but I don't know. So let's go to the third thing. Their mind is on earthly things. At the end of verse 19, and in other words, their priorities are all wrong. Their focus is uh, is on the things of the earth and not the things that are in heaven. For us, we understand that there's a balance here, right? Since God has given us 
things and stuff. We would call it rubbish, right? What Paul just said. Oh, that's rubbish, right? He's got the Irish thing, right? It's all trash. And and there's nothing wrong with having these things as long as these things don't have you, right? Because some people, you can make those things an idol because they're before your relationship with God. Your priority is not God. Your priority is taking care or maintaining or enjoying the trash, right? And then you begin to covet other people's trash. Wow, it's more shinier. It's more brighter. It's more you know, it's louder. Wow, look at that trash. It's all going to burn, guys, right? It's all going to burn. But yes, we're to take care of what God has given us. We're to be faithful what he's given us. And and yes, that's a good thing. But we understand that these things, they're temporal. They're not going to last, right? They're, they're, they're going to burn. So secondly, let's come to the last section. You guys ready to sum all this up? We got 40 more minutes. So I uh, think I'm joking, huh? Uh, we're, we're to wait patiently, right? This is our second section, and we'll end with this in verse 20 and 21. Uh, if we really have joy in believing that we have our righteousness uh, by faith in Christ alone by the cross, then the application will be that we wait patiently. And in verses 20 to 21, uh, there are three things that we should wait for. Number one, our citizenship. Look at verse 20. It says, for our citizenship is in heaven, from which we also eagerly wait for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. So there's your passport, right? Um, This is something that we wait patiently for. Uh, and by the way, this word citizenship, it's interesting. The, the word is only used here in the New Testament, nowhere else. Um, it's in our, our English, where we get our English word, politics. Ah, interesting. The idea is pretty simple. Our politics are not of the earth. Uh, we have our minds stayed in heaven, right? So uh, that's where our politics are. Note that the, the little preposition is, by the way, in in verse 20. It's a statement of fact. Paul is saying if we, in fact, do believe that our our home is in heaven, then it should be, uh, it should affect our our home here on earth, basically, right? Our stay here is temporal. Our stay here, we're on a mission, right? Soldiers, right? If you who have been in the military, you guys understand these words. We're on a mission, and, and that's a mission filled, right? You got to have that mindset. And by the way, this, uh, was it this Thursday coming up? We're going to be doing our foundations class, the, uh, the importance of witnessing. And, and one of the things that I realize in witnessing to people is, you got a mission, and that's Jesus, right? You're pressing forward, you're pressing in, but when you're talking to other people, your mission, your goal is to present the gospel. And as you're telling them about Jesus, and you're like, yeah, he loves you so much, he died on the cross for your sins, he rose again the third day, you know, and, and, and uh, you know, if we would just confess our sins, are you a sinner? Have you said, yeah, you have, all right. And they're like, you know, just like the woman at the well, right? She's like, you know, the the mountain over here, you know, what, what, you know, they're going to divert your mind. They're going to divert the, the, where you're going and your mission. And, and if you just answer all of those random questions, you've been diverted. And then every time you give the gospel, if you're like me, 
There's always distractions, isn't there? You could be out in the middle of the desert, and all of a sudden the ground just opens up, and you're like, oh, you know, well, how did that happen? There's always something that's going to happen. So you notice that you're on a little timeline there, right? Someone's going to walk up, the phone's going to ring. Oh, I got, I got to go, right? And and those moments of presenting the gospel are precious. And so stay on board, stay with the mission, and just like Jesus did, you know, he's like, hey, woman, look at me. I'm talking to you about myself here, and and uh, and and that's the idea. Stay focused, right? Know your your priority is is you're on a mission field there. So um, I don't know why I said all that, but so yeah, it should affect us, right? There there should be no um, we should be uh, transformed by by the renewing of our minds. There you go. The way we speak, the things that we do, right? The our attitude, it should all be different. And, and, and where we go, even in what we drink, by the way, if you're in a position in ministry, we got to be careful in, in what we do and what we're drinking. This is Wisconsin, I understand, right? I came from Arizona, and I can name like two or three bars in all of Tucson, Arizona. And I come out here and I can name like five next to my house, right? There we go. And there's, there's like so much bars. But now that you're in Christ Jesus, man, the old is the old. The past is the past. And, and do you have your liberty? Of course you do. If you're in ministry, but I'm saying, you know, be above reproach. Be blameless. If you're an overseer, you shouldn't be touching that stuff at all. You gotta be blameless and above reproach, right? And so we gotta be watchful in these days. We're in the end times, guys. Stop living like like it's, you know, tomorrow's, you know, it's going to come and the next day is going to come. We're going to be here for years, guys. And if that's the case, by all means, drink as much as you want and live your life and do the things you want. I'm not saying it's a sin, but it could be a sin. It'll be a sin for me to even touch alcohol in that sense. But I'm saying if you're in ministry and you are an overseer, you shouldn't be a, a, around that stuff, right? You, there's no reason to. You got you got other stuff that you can be, you know, the Bible says be have a sober mind, right? What does that mean? It means have a sober mind, right? <laughs> that God can speak through you. He can use you. You can be available and not opening yourself up to the things of this world, right? Uh, to the demonic realm. So um, we wait patiently for our Savior. That's the second part. Look at verse 20 uh, in the middle, right? As we also eagerly wait for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. And so we are waiting patiently for Jesus to pick us up. And there's there's that old song, right? I don't know if you guys know this one. Soon and very soon we are going to... I'm not going to sing it for you. That's why I'm not up here, by the way. But I love that. It's soon and very soon we're going to see the King. He's, he's coming, guys. And I can tell you guys, it's going to be very, very soon. The times are obvious right now. The, the times are wrapping up. Everything's... In fact, Matthew 24... Look at verse 5. For many will come in my name, saying, I am the Christ, and will deceive many. And you will hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that you are not troubled, for all these things must come to pass. But the end is not yet, for a nation will rise against nation. Are we seeing that right now? Yeah. And kingdom against kingdom, there will be famines pestilences and earthquakes in various places interest it goes on from there too but uh you can look at it and you're like wow this is the news and this is the bible this is very interesting this is the times that we're in and and uh let's come uh, we're, we're seeing all these things take place right now 
It's kind of like a puzzle, right? God is, he's, he's put it in all the puzzles in place and everything is happening perfectly the way it should happen. And, and, uh, we as a church, we're patiently awaiting our savior, right? Uh, for him. And it doesn't mean that, you know, we don't do anything at all that we run and hide and, and uh, bury ourselves in a hole and sing kumbaya up in the mountains. Although that would be cool, right? But, uh, we are to be occupying our time here on earth, right? Don't, don't hide yourself since the, our urgency is, is, uh, Christ is coming back. What are we to do? We are to be caught busy. We're to be busy about our Father's business. That's what Jesus said back in his day, right? And, and, and we are to be patiently, uh, waiting for our transformation as well. That's the third thing. Look at verse 21. It says, Who will transform our lowly body that it may be conformed to his glorious body according to the working by which he is able even to subdue all things to himself. So you and I will will be traded in, right? Like an old car, right? <laughs> and then boom, brand new one. And you got a new body and there's new stuff and it's going to be fit for the kingdom. And uh, it's going to be wonderful. In fact, 1 Corinthians chapter 51, I'm sorry, yeah, 15 verse 51. Behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed in a moment. In the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet, the trumpet will sound and the dead will be raised incorruptible and we shall be changed for this corruption must put on incorruption and this mortal must put on immortality in fact first john 3 2 says beloved now we are children of god and it has not yet been revealed what we shall be but we know that we when he is revealed we shall be like him for we shall see him as he is wow awesome this will happen at the rapture of the church and we'll be in a place um where there will be no more sorrow there's gonna be no more death there's gonna be no more tears it's gonna be a wonderful place and all of this comes because of jesus christ amen and if he can do this then surely he can take our unrighteousness and he can impute his righteousness uh, if that's the case, right? He's the work. He, he created the universe, guys. Everything is held in place because of him. And if he's able to do that, he's able to calm the raging sea, right? The, the, the waters. And he's, I'm pretty sure he's able to do a lot of stuff in your own life too, right? Especially as it, as it pertains to his righteousness. So um, let's pray. Lord, thank you so much uh, for this time uh, in your word. And and uh, I just ask, Lord, that you would continue to shake us up, Lord, and continue to uh, rebuke us, convict us, Father, uh, of our sin and the things that we're doing. And allow us, Lord, to know who you are. Allow us to walk in your ways. Give us this hope, Lord, uh, knowing that you're, you're coming soon. Lord, help us to fix our eyes on you. If there's anybody here who doesn't know you, Lord, I ask that you would uh, reveal yourself to them, Lord, that they would believe in you by faith and that they would look to the cross. They would look to the blood that was shed on the cross for them. And uh, Lord, that they would truly be forgiven, that they would call out to you and recognizing that they are uh, they're, they're, they're not able, Lord, in and of themselves, uh, to perform anything, uh, before you. But I pray that they would rely on your spirit and that you would move, Father. And so I pray you would continue to teach us this message, continue to go before us, and, uh, and we love you, Lord. Thank you for who you are in our life. In Jesus' name, amen.